I didn't introduce myself. My name's Ken. If I haven't had the chance to meet you, glad you're here. We are in a series called Gifts. And uh, how many of you, here's the interesting thing. Anybody in here, like, like uh, how do I ask this question? I'm trying to ask this in a, in a way that doesn't make someone feel like a giant jerk uh, by answering it honestly. I won't ask it. Okay. We like to get gifts, but I think as we get older, we also find that we like to give gifts, right? Like when you're a kid, it's all about getting. I remember, man, my, my, my mom would have our Christmas tree just filled, I mean, underneath the Christmas tree just filled with gifts, and I was always trying to figure out what was in those gifts. And, um, and, and one year we found her hiding place. How many of you ever found your parents' hiding place? Yeah. And I remember finding my parents' hiding place, like where they would hide their gifts, and, but they would already be wrapped, and so that was problematic. And so we would try to figure out how to very carefully, like, get the tape off, like, just even an edge so we could see, like, what was in there. And, um, yes, yeah, you know, anticlimactic on, on Christmas morning when you already know <laughs> what's in each of the boxes. But, but as we mature, as we get older, there's something that happens inside of us, and maybe not for everybody, but for most of us, there's something that happens where it's like, man, I love to give gifts. Like, I can't wait to see my kids' faces. Sometimes, sometimes I find that I'm almost on the other side where I'm like, like I want to tell them what they're getting ahead of time, you know? Like, like they're trying to find what they're, and I'm like, I'll just tell you straight out so we can get this, you know? Like, like I love to give gifts, and here's the thing. I'm, I'm not a perfect person. I know it's a shock to some of you in this room. I, I'm a sin-stained, sin-covered, sinful, my, still struggling with that sin nature. Thank Jesus for his righteousness that covers me, and thank God that, that I'm in Christ. But, but I'm telling you, I'm, not, I'm, I'm an earthly father. I'm, I'm broken in a lot of ways. And I love to give gifts. How much more does your perfect heavenly father love to give gifts? And he has so many gifts for us. We just, through communion, remember the greatest gift that we could ever receive, which is Jesus, that Jesus went to the cross and he took upon himself our punishment, he took upon himself our sin so that we could be made right with God. That's the greatest gift that you could ever receive, his forgiveness, him coming into your life and beginning to lead your life in a powerful, powerful way. That's the greatest gift that we could ever get. But here's the deal, but wait, there's more. Right? As we follow Jesus, we discover that he has more gifts for us. And uh, a while back, I was, I was studying the Christmas story and just going, God, what, what do you want us to talk about this year as we, as we look at the Christmas story together? And I, just, I started discovering spiritual gifts that are very clearly at work in the Christmas story. Gifts that I'd never seen before. I'm not talking about gold, frankincense, myrrh. I'm talking about spiritual gifts that are at work in the Christmas story. Last week, we talked about the gifts of revelation. And, and, and primarily in the person of Joseph, who God, God, on four different times, supernaturally gives Joseph like a word of revelation knowledge through a dream where he has knowledge about things that he would not have known otherwise. Like, remember from last week, like, like, Mary comes and tells him that he's pregnant, but don't worry, I wasn't sleeping with another guy, it was the Holy Spirit, an angel came to me, and Joseph's like, oh, whatever, I don't know how all that works in your mind, but certainly you're crazy, and God comes, an angel comes to him in a dream and gives him revelation knowledge that she is telling the truth, and he is not to leave her, he is not to abandon her. 
And then Revelation knowledge after Jesus is born about a king who wants to hunt down Jesus and that they need to flee to Egypt. And then another dream when they're in Egypt, hey, it's safe to go back. And then another dream, hey, you need to go to Nazareth. Like, I mean, it's amazing, right? The, the gifts of Revelation that are at work in the Christmas story. Well, today we're going to talk about another category of gifts, which would, are called the gifts of inspiration, and the gifts of inspiration, and, and, and really where I'm getting this from, if you weren't here last week, we, we looked at a passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And, and, the, and the beginning of this section starts with the Apostle Paul. This is about 50 years after Jesus' birth. The Apostle Paul's writing to a group of Jesus followers in Corinth, and he says, hey, about spiritual gifts, I don't want you guys to be ignorant. Or another way that you could put it is, I don't want you guys to be uninformed. Like, this is really important that you know about this. And last week, we defined spiritual gifts as special abilities that the Holy Spirit gives to believers. That if you are a follower of Jesus, the Holy Spirit wants to download, like, special abilities. And, and each one of us is unique, and we're created differently, and some have some gifts, and others have other gifts, and the Spirit gives as he sees fit. And as he knows like, how things are going to play out. And so, so, so as believers, what we need to be doing is saying, God, I don't want to be uninformed. I, I, I want to know your spiritual gifts. I want to walk in these special abilities that the Holy Spirit has given us. And then in verses 8 through 11 of 1 Corinthians 12, Paul lists nine very specific gifts of the Holy Spirit. And what we, we talked about last week, we're going to put these into three different categories. And last week, again, we talked about the gifts of revelation. Today, the gifts of inspiration would include, and these are kind of the, these are kind of the ones that people sometimes go, you know, uh, I don't know about all that stuff. They're like the do-do-do-do, you know, type of gifts, like a little bit. The first one is speaking in an unlearned language. Another one is interpreting the unlearned languages. By the way, we believe that those gifts still exist. We believe that God, there's no verse in the Bible that says, and that was only for the apostolic age, and all the apostles died, and now those things have gone away. There, you won't find any verse in Scripture that talks about that. Like, those gifts are still available. And the third of the inspiration gifts is the gift of prophecy. And so this morning, we've, we've done sermons before on speaking in unlearned languages, and if you want that, you can go to explorejourney.org slash Holy Spirit, and there's a whole sermon on that. We've talked about those things, but today, I want to spend our time talking about prophecy because we see prophecy all over the original Christmas story. In fact, there's more prophecy that happens in the Christmas story in the first couple of chapters of Luke than all the other Gospels combined. I mean, there's just, for, I mean, prophecy all over the Christmas story. And so my contention is that just as God gave this gift of prophecy at a pivotal moment, that God has prophecy available for the church today. You don't have to believe that, I'm just, I'm, but I believe that, and I don't want to try to convince you along the way that, that God still gives the gift of prophecy and that we should eagerly desire that gift. And we'll get into that in a little bit, and I'll tell you why we should eagerly desire the gift of prophecy. So what is prophecy? Okay, sometimes we think of prophecy as being, because I think in a lot of church circles or even out there, in, in, if you've never gone to church before, we think of prophecy as like telling the future. It's almost like uh, within Christianity, sometimes we think of prophecy as like Christian fortune telling. 
like, come here, Kim, let me hold your, no, you don't really have to get up. Let me hold your hand, and I'm going to hum at a high enough frequency, and, you know, if we both hum at the same frequency, that maybe I'll be able to, you know, like, it's this mystical, like, weird, and, you know, all of a sudden I start talking in Shakespearean English and speak in a tone of voice that I would never use otherwise. I mean, it gets really, I'm telling you, if you've been around different churches, like, it gets really weird really quick, right? But biblical prophecy, I mean, there is a small component of telling the future, like maybe in prophecy, but most of the prophecy that you see in the Bible is about boldly sharing God's message with others. Like really, that's, that's a, a definition of prophecy that is consistent throughout the Bible. Boldly sharing God's message with others. So in the Christmas story, where do we see this? We actually see five different prophecies going on in the Christmas story, and some would argue that there's maybe even more than this. And and interestingly, in in your notes, I I list five different passages. We're not going to be able to get through all those this morning, but we see um, Elizabeth, who is Mary's uh, Mary's, mother, her relative. We'll talk about this in a few moments. Mary actually prophesies at one point. Zechariah prophesies. Simeon prophesies. Anna prophesies. Like, there's, there's all these these prophecies going on in the Christmas story. In fact, let's, let's just dive right into it. Um, let's go to Luke chapter 1. We'll look at two of them this morning. We'll look at two, and then you can look at some of the other ones this week. So the first one, and in fact, the two that we're going to look at are both women, which I find ironic because there's a, you know, a stream of thought within Christianity that, that women can't be used to share God's message with others. Um, and yet, throughout the New Testament, we see all kinds of women prophets but the first one would be Elizabeth. Have I, have I made a, enough of you guys mad at me yet? I'm trying to just step on every group of people. That it's, I'm just sharing from the Bible, okay? Uh, Luke chapter 1, we have, okay, here's a scene. Mary has just, she's had this experience uh, where the angel comes to her, Gabriel comes to her and tells her that she's pregnant. She's never, again, she's never had sexual relations. So this is, I mean, th- just I think sometimes we romanticize the Christmas story, but if you really try to put yourself in their shoes, like how crazy this must have been, right? So imagine the emotions. I mean, she says, you know, may it be unto me as you have said, and she's faithful and she's righteous and holy, but there is some humanity within her as well that's gotta be like, what in the world do I do now? How do I tell my parents? How do I tell Joseph? Like all these things, right? And so she immediately, the first place that she goes to, the first person that she goes to is to a relative. Some people would say that this is her cousin. The, the, the Greek is really hard to understand. It's, it could even be a different relative. But she goes to, and it's an older, it's an older woman than she is, and her name is Elizabeth. And, and here's the crazy thing. Elizabeth, and we're going to talk about this next week, Elizabeth is pregnant. She's, she's a little further along than Mary is, and so Mary goes to this person, probably, you know, she has a really, probably one of her closest relatives, if that's, the, think about women in this room, if you found out you were pregnant, and it wasn't with your husband, or, you know, like, I mean, just, where, you, you would go to someone that you feel comfortable with, right, like, I don't know what to do with this, right, like, I need to talk to someone that I can trust, right, so she goes to Elizabeth, who is, who is also pregnant, And it says this, in the second part of verse 40, it says, Mary entered the house and greeted Elizabeth. And at the sound of Mary's greeting, Elizabeth, who is pregnant, Elizabeth's child leaped within her. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, we read right over that, but I was reading this last night. I'm I'm down in our basement of our house, and I'm reading this. I'm going, that is a really whacked verse. Right? Right? 
Elizabeth is pregnant. She's further along than Mary. Mary walks in the door. I, I imagine Mary's hardly even showing yet. And like Elizabeth's baby like leaps within her. And Elizabeth, who has been around Mary at least dozens of times, maybe hundred hundred times, Elizabeth is who's been around Mary all these times. Now that Mary is pregnant with Jesus, Elizabeth is filled with the Holy Spirit. I didn't make this up. This is in scripture, okay? Elizabeth gave a glad cry. Like, I think she goes, woo, I don't know. Like, she does something and exclaimed to Mary, and this is prophecy, God has blessed you above all women, and your child is blessed. Why am I so honored that the mother of my Lord should visit me? Remember, Elizabeth is way older than Mary, which is a thing back then, right? Like, elders and youngers and... God has blessed you above all women and your child. Why am I so honored that the mother of my Lord should visit me? When I heard your greeting, the blob of tissue in my womb, no, the baby in my womb jumped for joy. I mean, life, right? There's life going on inside of there. That's a whole other sermon. You are blessed because you believe that the Lord would do what he said. Isn't that amazing? I challenge, go back and read that later on. So this is the very first prophecy in the Christmas story that happens. Again, we're going to talk about Elizabeth and her husband Zechariah next week. But Mary was so encouraged by Elizabeth's prophecy that look at the very next verse. Mary joins in on this. Mary responded, oh, how my soul praises the Lord, how my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he took notice of his lowly servant girl, and from now on all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one is holy, and he has done great things for me. He shows mercy from generation to generation to all who fear him. Mary, this, this isn't just something you would say in the middle of conversation. This is prophetically the Holy Spirit speaking through Mary and she speaks forth a message of God. So this is the second prophecy in the Christmas story. We could go on. The next day, if you keep reading, you'll see Zechariah, who is Elizabeth's husband. He begins to prophesy. Simeon, after Jesus' birth, Simeon, this old guy in a temple who had never met Mary and Joseph before, didn't know them from Adam, he starts prophesying. Anna, an even older woman who's been staying at the temple waiting to see the Messiah, she starts prophesying. Like it's all over the Christmas story. It's amazing. I want, you know, I was thinking about these individuals, five different individuals, and all five of these individuals, there's a characteristic that they share in common. All five were rooted in prayer. Men and women of incredible prayer. In fact, Carolyn Tennant has said this. I, I read this recently, and this has just been messing with me. She said, prophetic work is like an iceberg, its roots are 90% hidden in prayer and 10% visible. Prophecy isn't some kind of flippant thing. In fact, I want, I want to put that, uh, that image of an iceberg up there if you have that, Riley. Like think, think about an iceberg. Like we just see, we just see uh, the top, right? But we all know, you've been in science class, you, you remember this. Like the roots of which are so deep, right? Like sometimes we think, we see maybe somebody else moving some of these gifts and we go, oh, that's easy. <laughs> we shouldn't treat these things flippantly. 
prophecy, it, there's a responsibility that comes with this. Elizabeth, Mary, these others carried the weight of this. It, 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 this wasn't just some kind of, oh, that's cool. So, so what is prophecy? Again, we mentioned that prophecy is simply boldly speaking God's message to people. Why is it necessary? Paul specifically talks about prophecy a lot in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. He introduces it as a gift in 1 Corinthians 12. He talks about the way that it should be expressed in 1 Corinthians 13, which is the love chapter. This is a chapter, if you've been to a wedding, chances are, you know, if I was a gambling man, I would, I would put money on the fact that somebody in this room in your wedding has had 1 Corinthians 13 shared in some expression or another in your wedding. But 1 Corinthians 13 isn't written to couples getting married. It's talking about the way that we should express the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And then in 1 Corinthians 14, Paul goes further in talking specifically about prophecy, and he talks a lot about speaking in unlearned languages as well. But in 1 Corinthians 14, he talks about the necessity or why God gives people the gift of prophecy. If you're in your notes, we're just going to go through these real quick. They're not going to be up on the screen. First of all, to strengthen, encourage, and comfort followers of Jesus. There's, there's times where we're going through things in our life and we need someone who will boldly speak a message of God to us and it is so we can be encouraged, it's so we can be comforted and strengthened. Second, so the believers may learn and grow. We learn and grow by hearing prophecy that is rooted in prayer and rooted in scripture. Third, to bring conviction and reveal people's secret thoughts. That's in 1 Corinthians 14 verses 24 and 25. To announce future events. There is an element of, of telling future events within prophecy, but it's not what we should major on. It's not what we should keep, put our focus on, but there is this element of it. For communicating a ministry calling. In 1 Timothy chapter 4, Paul, Paul's writing to Timothy. He says, remember when the elders prophesied over you and, and you felt a calling to ministry? Like there, there's, a, there's times where prophecy is to, to bring that forth in people, a calling that God has for them. Prophecy is subject to the written word of God. Anytime you hear someone say, well, I'm prophesying and it is not in alignment with the word of God, uh, I, I would walk away from it. But, by the way, prophecy is kind of hot and sexy again in, in the American church. Um, I mean, turn on Christian television and, or actually turn on the internet and go to YouTube or go to these channels and every, all kinds of people are prophets now. I had a guy who came to the church once when we were in the old building, and he had, a, he had a business card that he handed me, and he actually on his business card had his name and had profit underneath it. I was like, well, now that you have a business card, let me sit down and hear what you have to say, right? Like, I mean, <laughs> here's, here's the thing. Anytime someone prophesies, it better be in alignment with the word of God. And this is my problem with some of the prophecy in the American church right now, and especially uh, that we see on the internet, I mean, especially on the internet, is someone will say they're a prophet, and they'll give 30 minutes of prophecy, and Jesus is never mentioned in it, scripture is never mentioned in it, politics is all over it, political candidates are all over it, but Jesus is nowhere to be found. And I call bullcrap. It should be subject to the written word. You can have political opinions. I don't have a problem with that. You can put your political opinions all over YouTube. But when you say you're a prophet and what I'm about to give you is the word of the Lord, it better elevate and exalt Jesus. 
It is not, it is not for guidance as much as it is for confirmation. Uh, when, someone, when someone, especially a personal prophecy, when someone says, I, I have a word from the Lord for you, it really sh- it shouldn't be something that shocks you. It shouldn't be something you go, what in the world? It, sh- it should actually serve to confirm, man, God's already been leading me in this direction. Man, thank you, God, that you love me so much that you would confirm your word through this. It's such an, I've, I've had this a number of times where someone has come along and I feel like God has a word for me. And usually they say it in almost like an apologetic way, like, I, I don't know what to do with this. And would you just judge it for, for yourself? And, and when they say it, it's like a relief. It's like, man, God's been speaking that to me and I've been asking him to confirm it. And wow, like that blows me away that that just happened. So, so what does this have to do with us? I believe in our body that God wants us to experience all the gifts. That's why we're talking about this. You know, last week when we talked about the gifts of revelation, man, I believe in our body. Like, God wants to give people the, the word of, a word of wisdom, a word of revelation, a, um, a discernment. We need discernment in the body of Christ more today than we've ever needed to know, is this of God is this just fleshly? Is it just my sin nature? Is this demonic? Like we need to have discernment in the body of Christ. We need prophecy in the body of Christ. And so as I, as I was, you know, going through this, I, I have a friend who's a part of our church who I believe flows in the gift of prophecy. And, and so, Bob, would you mind coming up? I, I wanted Bob, because Bob's a normal guy. And a lot of the prophets that we see, you know, I'll just be honest, they just don't seem that normal. And so I wanted Bob, come on up. <laughs> oh, you need a microphone. Yeah, that would be helpful. Um, Bob, Bob is retired but is now doing a side job in, uh, uh, working with plastics or something. and Air fresheners. I mean, this is, he's not like, he's a normal guy. He worked in the marketing uh, business until he retired and, and he's somewhere behind me. But, um, and I've known Bob for a little while now. Would you just... <laughs> I'm going to move back so I can see where he's at. And I just wanted, I wanted, because we, we've, we've t- had a lot of conversations personally about this, and, and I just, do you mind just sharing maybe a little bit about your, where, however you want to go with this, and then I'll come up and have a few more things to say. Um, I'm just excited to be able to share with you. God has something very, very special for you today. Um, you might not know it, but this is his favorite service, <laughs> just to let you know. No. Um, It is a journey. Um, I feel that right now that the Lord recently in the last few years has been pouring this into me more, uh, and I'm excited about it. Um, I'd like to share some of the things the Lord has shared with me. Uh, Some instances, I asked the Lord uh, for this today to give me a fresh word, possibly for somebody. Uh, There's a number of you already that over the last six months or so, the Lord has given me a word for you, and, and I, I want you to know, even though it's uncomfortable to talk about myself right now, but my goal is to glorify God, to bring the glory of God on earth, and I believe that he's called each one of us. Uh, Ken um, mentioned everything that I'm not, you know, I'm just an ordinary guy, but, but I am a child of God. Through his blood, I am a child of God. And with that position that I have, God has given me the ability right now to listen to him and that he speaks. But see, every one of you that have taken that step of receiving Christ, he wants to speak to you. 
And today is going to be the day that that will happen. So um, I asked the Lord to give me a, a word for today, and uh, I've been doing some prayer and fasting, and, and uh, that is so important in my life, it is, to really hear. But as I found out that as I hear and I continue to know his voice, that it becomes easier. So I want to encourage you not to be freaked out, you know, oh, you know, why didn't I hear today? You know, there's days that I go with him for questions, and Lord wants you to ask him questions. That's very important for you to know. It's important that you ask questions. It's like when you meet somebody on the street and you want to get to know him, you start asking, well, where do you work, that type of thing. You don't have to ask God where he works, you know. But <clears throat> anyway, so as I prayed um, and asked the Lord the last couple days, uh, there was names that he, he gave me. And um, one of them was uh, Frank Pierce. Frank, I want you to stand up, if you would. And I've already, um, before I give a word for anybody, <coughs> especially in public like this, <coughs> excuse me, um, I already talked to Frank this morning, and he gave me permission to do this. Um, but uh, yesterday morning, I was just praying and going, just, you know, give me something new, give me something new. And he kept bringing Frank's mind to me. <coughs> Boy, I got a frog in my throat. So anyway, I went into what I call a time of soaking prayer. And we're going to actually do some of that this morning. Um, and I'm going to walk you through some steps that I've gone through for that. But when I went into the time of soaking prayer, uh, the Lord said that this man has a heart for men. And Diane, I don't want you to worry about that, okay? <laughs> but, uh, but he has a heart for men. And it was like he, was, he has given Frank a mentoring spirit for men. And that, he, that I feel that if it isn't happening now, it's going to happen. <clears throat> but that he's going to give him discernment for men, to be able to help men to walk. And I saw that as he was praying, there was like a bubble that came, that as he was praying for men, there was a bubble that was coming out of him and surrounding the men that he was praying for. And it was a bubble of protection. Because men, we're getting attacked all around. And, and we need men like Frank in the church. So I, I'm telling you, if you're struggling as a man and you have need help or whatever, see this man. And as I talked to him this morning and shared this word, he confirmed that. He confirmed, yeah, the Lord's put that on my heart. And a lot of times a word, like Ken said, is for confirmation. The Lord shared with me, thanks, Frank. I'm sorry. You're probably tired. No. Uh, in August, I had a word for Megan um, that the Lord was, was expanding her heart. And that the things that she was going to have passion for, he was going to increase that. Now, I did not have permission to give that to her at that time. But when I heard that she was leaving, I said, oh, this is what the Lord shared with me in August. Um, and my sort of formula for this is that when Ken said about the iceberg, there's a lot of time I spend in prayer. A lot of times I ask questions. If I hear from the Lord again, I pray again. I want to make sure that it's from him. 
And then I pray, when do I give this? What do I do with this? A lot of times it's just for me to pray about. I don't, I don't have a release. There's words that the Lord has given me 10 years ago that I'm still waiting to see. And I feel that now that there's things that are happening now, that there's things lining up, that it's happening. There is a movement of God coming. These messages that Ken is giving is part of the formula that God has to line up his people to hear and walk in the power of his spirit. And it's coming. And what you need to do is receive. There's a couple things that I had to get through to really to start hearing, I believe. One is I had to believe that God can speak. The second thing is I had to believe that I can hear. And the third thing personally that I had to get through, which I went through just recently, is I had to believe that I was worthy to receive the gifts that he's given me. Since that has happened, there's more and more that has come out. At a prayer meeting uh, a couple months ago, uh, the Lord shared with me that there was a person there that had a foot problem. It was a left foot, and it was affecting their hip. And I put off, put off. I think Ken said, okay, we're going to break up. And I said, well, I got, I got something. And so I gave that word. There's someone here that's got a foot problem. And I thought, man, if somebody doesn't speak up, I'm going to go step on their left foot. I'm going <laughs> to make sure they have a problem. <laughs> but anyway, Kim, Kim, would you stand up, please? I don't know if you want to dance or not. But anyway, she's the one that had a left foot problem. She has had pain in her foot. It was affecting her hip, and we were able to pray for her. And the Lord took care of that. Now there has been, for some reason, a few uh, weeks ago, it flared up again. But I think it's coming back to, we didn't claim that. But, you know, it is to give the God glory. So what I'd like to do right now, I'd like to take us into some uh, practical step. This is something that I do almost every day. Um, And there's a, a... One other thing, the Lord shared with me a month before Ken asked me that I was going to do this. And one thing that he shared they wanted me to do, there's a a study that uh, my wife and I, Terry, uh, took some people through. Uh, It was in July it started. It didn't end up until November. And um, the Lord had showed me that I was going to speak about that, which I am right now. But um, it is such a powerful course It's called, and we're doing a study on living in the unseen realm. It's about walking in the power of the Holy Spirit. And it just revolutionized my thinking. And through that, there are some things that we do. And we do some soaking prayer every week that we meet. And it's just an experiment, really, is what it is. We practice. God wants us to practice. Practice listening. So right now, we're going to go into that mode. But first, I want you to repeat after me. Thank you, Lord, that you're going to speak to me this morning. And thank you, Lord, I'm going to hear you. So what I want you to do, I just want you to just relax. I want you to close your eyes. And I'm going to ask you to use a little bit of your imagination. And if that bothers you, you know, I feel that God gave us imagination. The enemy uses it all the time. When you fear 
anything, that's really your imagination without God. So I want you to imagine that the peace of God is just coming over you. And whatever thoughts that you have right now, that might not be at this time you're worrying about, oh, what am I, where am I going to eat or whatever. I just want you to just imagine those thoughts that you have right now just floating up to God. That he's taking those on a bubble. I want your mind to be open and fresh to what he has for you this morning. And I believe what he wants to tell you this morning is something about you. He wants you to hear how he thinks of you. And it might be a word, it might be a picture, it might be a sentence. You know, when you hear the voice of the Lord, it's thoughts that he gives it. 99% of the time it's just not a verbal that you're going to hear out loud. It's going to be a thought that he gives you. So we're just going to take a few minutes just to rest in his presence. Holy Spirit, I invite you now just to come, to move, to work, to speak. Open the ears of their hearts and their minds. Thank you, Lord. Just come. Lord, we thank you. Thank you for who you are here this morning, Father. Just seal what you've done, Lord. Allow it not to be stolen. Seal what you've done. We thank you, Father. Okay, what I'd like to have you do now is on that card that you fill out, you know, that you're here, on the back of that card, there's a blank space. I haven't cleared this with Ken. I hope this is okay. But I'd like to have you put on that card, if you felt anything, the Lord showed you a picture, if he gave you one word, gave you a sentence, to put that on the back of that card. 
you know, we're not going to pub, you know, put it on the website or anything like that, you know, or it, we just, I thought it would be good just to, this staff here at the church put so much into this, and as it would be an encouragement to them and to me, and saying, oh, I'll look at here, the Lord did speak, the Lord did speak here. Put on that card if you would, and then, you know, turn it in, and uh, I just appreciate it, the Lord bless you. Lord, allow him to keep what he's given you. Thank you, Bob. I think if there's one thing um, I would encourage you is to find space in your life to just be quiet with God. To read his word, to study his word, to meditate on his word, but then to just be quiet and to listen. This has been a new thing for me. I, I grew up in a tradition where prayer was 100% talking to God. It was never listening. And may, maybe that wasn't, but that's, that's kind of how it was downloaded, at least in youth ministry and, and kids ministry. I, I really want us as a church to find, you know, the enemy wants to distract us. And so that's why, that's why we're, we live in a culture where if, if, I'm, if I'm bored at all, I get out my phone and I'm scrolling, I'm listening, you know, you're always listening to something, listening to podcasts. Like, find time where you can just turn it all off and just say, Father, speak to me. Spirit of God, I welcome you. I want to share with you just a few more things and, and then we, we'll go, but we sh- uh, 1 Corinthians 12 verse 1 says, you know, about spiritual gifts, I don't want you to be uninformed, I don't want you to, uh, but then look at 1 Corinthians 14 verse 1. Again, chapter 13 is a love chapter, and then he comes back, he pivots back to this in, in chapter 14, verse 1. Paul says, let love be your highest goal, because he's just talked about love, right? It's, it's, you, can, you can speak prophetically, you can speak in unlearned languages, you can do all this, but if you don't love, Paul says it's nothing, right? It's worthless. So he, says, he, he now comes back into talking about spiritual gifts again by saying, let love be your highest goal, but then listen to this, because We don't preach about this, but you should also desire the special abilities the Spirit gives, especially the ability to prophesy. Like one translation says, eagerly desire prophecy. So I don't want you to walk out of here going, I don't know where they're getting this stuff. I don't know where they're pulling this stuff. Paul actually says this, like, yes, love, make love your highest goal. So prophecy is not about wanting people to look at you and to think that you are super spiritual. The motivation of prophecy better be love. Love is key. But we should also desire prophecy. We should say, God, I, I, I want to be used by you. However you want to use me, I'm open to. My, my answer is yes. But God, I want what you have for me. And Paul told us that we should desire this. And so I'm just doing what scripture tells me in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 1. If, if you want to use me in this, God, I say yes to you. I don't want to have any barriers up before you. And so the key, we talked about last week, and, and, and Bob talked about this again today, is having a listening ear. But then Bob said something else that I thought was really interesting, That and, and I'm not trying to puff him up or anything, but he also has a private practice of fasting. And this is one of those spiritual disciplines that gets talked about in the church all over the world, but in the American church, we don't like to talk about it because we like food. 
In fact, if there is an idol in, in the American church, often because we don't talk about sins of gluttony or all those, we, those, those aren't really sins. You know, we wink and nod at those. But So fasting, I want to just talk about fasting for just a moment. I'm, I'm not going to get through all the rest of the notes. But um, fasting food was one of the primary ways that original followers of Jesus were formed spiritually. When you go back to the church writings for the first three, four centuries of the church, fasting was, in fact, they, they, would, fast, they would fast one, even two days every single week. They would fa- and when I say fast, I mean they fasted food. They wouldn't eat. And what they were doing was they were saying allowed no to their natural desires and cravings and appetites, and they were saying instead aloud yes to God. God, you are more important. God, I'm desperate for you. And so as a church, I want to encourage us. I know we're going into the holiday season, and so this probably isn't the time to say, you know, you need to fast, and you're like, well, I'm going to a family Christmas gathering like today. Like, like Okay, so, so here's, here's where I want to challenge you, and I want you to put this on your calendars. The first full week of January, which sounds like it is a million years from now, but I promise you, you're going to blink, and all of a sudden it's going to be 2022, right? All the, especially as we get older, we all know that's true. And so if you would put on your calendars from January 2nd to January 9th, we're going to have a special emphasis in journey of praying and fasting, and we're specifically praying and fasting for God to move in a way that we haven't seen him. Jesus said that part of our prayer should be, let your kingdom come and your will be done. Where? As it is where? So right here in Fremont, right here in Clyde as it is in heaven. Right here in Sandusky County, right here in Ottawa County, Erie County, whatever county you drove from, Seneca County. Right here in Sandusky County as it is in heaven. We're, we're supposed to be praying that. How is it in heaven? What, what is it in, in heaven we, we experience God's life. His, the light of Jesus Christ. We experience his, his healing. There's no tears in heaven. We experience victory. We experience joy. We experience love. We experience patience and long-suffering for one another. Man, I want that right here on earth. So we're going we're to be praying and, and fasting, and, and one of the things we're going to be doing is the church is going to be open from 6.30 to 8.30 in the morning and from 6.30 to 8.30 in the evening every day. There's going to be people from the church in the sanctuary available to pray for you, and, and we're, we're believing that God's going to break through, and God's going to do a healing work in us, maybe a freeing work. Maybe there's addictions in your life that get in the way of you fully being surrendered to Christ and being able to do the things that Christ wants you to do and say the things that Christ wants you to say. We're, we're going to take care of all those things things so that we can be for this county what God wants us to be. I'm, I'm grateful that Kim is excited about that. Um, let, me, let me end with this. I'm, I'm trying to figure out what all. Every day we rub shoulders with people who need hope. I, I promise you, there are people around you and they, we're good at disguising it, but you every day unless you're just staying in your house all day by yourself and then you need hope. Every day we rub shoulders with people who need hope, people who need peace. There's people in this room this morning, you desperately need peace. And we need to be empowered by the Holy Spirit to minister to them. And part of ministry is presence, for sure. Sometimes we forget that. Sometimes it's just just sitting there and being with them and just listening. But part of ministering the hope and the peace of Christ is to have the right words to say. 
And let me tell you, this is where we need the Holy Spirit. Because a memorized elevator speech in those moments, it doesn't work. We need to have the words of God in those moments. So what if today God still wants to give his people prophetic gifts to speak his message at the right time and in the right way? I want to take you back to this iceberg image. Are you willing to go deep with God? To invest more of your time in meditating on God's word and listening for the Spirit's direction? And we have the time to do this. It's an issue of allocating that time for the purposes of God as opposed to the purposes of man. And it all starts with following. That's why at Journey Church, you don't hear me very often say, hey, I want you to become a Christian. I want you to be a follower of Jesus. Fully devoted and actual active follower of Jesus. So I don't care what label you have on yourself. Maybe you've thought of yourself as agnostic. Maybe you've thought of yourself as Maybe your religion is your political party. Maybe you think of yourself as a Christian, Catholic, Lutheran. I don't don't care what label you have. Are you actually actively following Jesus? And if not, start today. And part of following Jesus is saying, Jesus, where are we going today? Speak to me. Lead me. I say yes to you. Would you bow your heads? Father, thank you that you have gifts for your kids, and we are your kids. In the earthly realm, people ask me what I want for Christmas. I, I have everything I need. I, don't, I literally can't think of things for people to get me for Christmas. But I'll take a word of wisdom. I'll take a word of knowledge. I'll take discernment. I'll take prophecy. I'll take speaking in unlearned languages or being able to interpret that. I'll take miracles. I'll take healing. I'll take a greater measure of faith. So God, I speak for this congregation. We want your gifts. In fact, we eagerly desire your gifts with the motivation of love with a motivation of glorifying you. We're looking for a nameless, faceless revival. It's not about us. It's not about our church. It's not about a denomination. It's not about any of the pastors. We want this for your glory, for your namesake, for your reputation, oh God. But we say yes to you and yes to your gifts. And anybody in this room who's not following you actively, actually, God, I pray today would be a day In fact, right now, if you're not following Jesus under your breath, would you just say, Jesus, I confess I'm not following you. Empower me to do so. Jesus, thank you that you died on the cross to take all of my sin, all the punishment I deserve. Forgive me. Lead me. Speak to me. 
Use me for something greater than any mission or purpose I could imagine. For your sake, for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. You are so loved. You are so loved. If you need prayer this morning, some of you walked into these doors carrying some heavy, heavy stuff. And the worst thing we could do is just give some glib dismissal and you walk out of here and you go, that was nice what they said, but I need prayer. We have some prayer partners that are going to be available up here in the front. I'm going to be available up here in the front. We would love to pray with you and for you. And as everybody else is leaving, you come up. Maybe, maybe you say, I'm not actually following Jesus. I want someone to pray with me. We would love to pray with you. We'd love to pray for you. Um, it'd, be a, it'd make our day. It'll make, make our year. So would you stand to your feet? This week, may you know that you have a heavenly father who loves you. This week, may you know that you have a heavenly father who has incredible, awesome gifts for you. May you receive his gifts. May you walk in his gifts. May you have ears to hear. May you take moments of quiet to listen. And may you have the confidence that your father is still speaking. God bless you. Have a great week. We'll see you guys later.